Um, yeah, so I'm super excited about this semester, and I feel like, you know, usually I start out knowing exactly what we're supposed to do. Like, I knew we were going to do this last semester, which was the prophetic stuff. We're not going to be doing prophetic ex exercises every single week now, if at all. I'm not sure. But um, so if there's any people that you know got scared off and haven't come back to Bible study all semester, <laughs> you can tell them to come again. Because <laughs> I do know there's a couple who they do not come because they were like, no, <laughs> I am not doing that. And when I was praying, just kind of even over the Christmas break, um, I know that the Lord really had us spending a lot of time on that learning how we each individually hear and recognize his voice because he speaks in varied ways you know and he's speaking all of the time and we're learned how to really tune in to his voice and then how to say what he's saying and how to deliver a word to someone in season and so today i'm, I'm going to kind of share he spoke it was i was putting on my makeup to come and all of a sudden I had to run and grab my pen and my journal. I can't even read my writing because I was just writing so quickly. And he started giving me this word that I want to start out with and then tell you two more things he told me and what I believe we're going to do this semester. Um, I do know I'm not going to teach every single week. Um, I've lined up some different speakers throughout. Uh, next week will be Debbie Rogers. Three weeks later is Deborah Daniels. And then a couple weeks later, if not the next week, I cannot remember, are Kathy and Sue. So it's going to be awesome. Polis and it's going to be awesome. So I just felt like God wanted us to hear from different voices because we all add to this beautiful picture and, and tapestry of what God is doing and what he's saying. And I'm just really excited about hearing different voices. They're not the only ones. We'll have other people that are going to speak as well. But um, I felt like what I wanted to do this morning is a little bit of what we did on Sunday night. And y'all, we had a full-on dance party Woo! Sunday night. Did we not? It was just so fun. <laughs> I didn't know if the body would really get into it or not, and people would really get up and dance. Thank God, Mallory. Where'd Mallory go? Right she, like, started it. She stood up first. Because yeah. how can you, like, not stand up? So we may do a dance party at the end of this. I love it. Don't you think we should? Yes! Why not? So, it's not going to be as loud. Dance parties are always appropriate. You're right. But on my little tiny bows, it's not going to sound the same. And it gets distorted through that one. So we'll just do that one, and it'll be good. It'll be fine. It'll be a dance party. Um... So here's what I feel like the Lord is saying. What I talked about on Sunday night and what I want to do some of today, I really talked about the power of the seed. And, you know, the parable of the seed and the sower, everyone knows. It's like one of the first things you learned. But I feel like the Lord is taking me so much deeper into it, and this is a season. Because you all are a seed bed. I'm a seed bed. My life is a seed bed. And there's all kinds of seed that has been sown into me in my life, some good and some not so good. Some I've tolerated because I just, you know, whatever, but it chokes the life out of the seed, the word of God and what he's saying to us. And I'm talking about what is he saying to us in this season. But let me give you what he said to me when he interrupted me. I'm just putting on my makeup innocently. And, and when he speaks to me in this kind of word, it's different. I can't explain it. It's just different. Anyway, this is what he's saying. Look for me to speak from unusual places. People and institutions you may not expect me to speak from, from will be prophesying to my people. And I don't just mean my church, my people. I mean the people, my people, will resonate with the messages I proclaim from unlikely sources. The media will prophesy, though they do not know it. Hollywood is already prophesying. 
look to Hollywood to see what my focus is for the moment to what I am doing across the globe. Women, the women's movement is me. I am highlighting women. Though it may not be the form you would like it, and you may, <clears throat> it may not be the form you like it in, and you may even want to reject it due to your political or religious preference. I tell you, it is just that, preference. But I am able to see far and wide, high above all of that, and they are picking up on what I am care saying and doing in the moment in history. The liberation of women. So join in and tune in with my with more intensity because you will have the greater voice, the greater authority to set at liberty all who are oppressed. I'm calling all orphans home. It's time. I'm setting captives free. So look to Hollywood. What are they saying? What are the messages in their movies, their songs? Look to the media. I can put words in their mouth that they do not know nor want to say. Look to the politicians. Instead of being polarizing, I'm going to cause a uniting to cross the divide. So you have become accustomed to my voice in one way. Look for it now in another way. You'll be astounded at what I have to say. I really believe that's true. I feel like there, we are in a moment. If you will look, the Lord is speaking in all kinds of ways from all sorts of people. He is speaking to you from billboards as you're driving down the highway. He is speaking through songs, secular, if there is even such a thing as secular, because I don't believe that there is. Music is music. Music is God's design. I mean, the movies right now, the messages in them, if you have ears to hear, let him hear. And so the Lord is telling us, tune in with more intensity, lean in and agree with what I'm saying. And we cannot afford to be casting our words in judgment and condemning certain things that we don't agree with or understand. Because when we're doing that, we are nullifying its effect. We are depriving it of power. And I'm telling you, God is speaking loudly all across the board. So the hashtag Me Too, and what's the other one? Time's up. Time's up. It's God. It's God. God is, he is causing women. And granted, you know, we might kind of be frustrated sometimes with people who are saying it or what, how they're doing it. But I'm telling you what. God is shining a spotlight right now on the marginalization, the subjugation, and the, and the sexual harassment of women across the board for ages, for thousands of years. Yeah. And they are being liberated. And so it's so interesting that, again, it's not necessarily the church at large that's leading the movement, is it? And that, to me, is shameful. There's no shame on me. But that to me, it is time for us to recognize, get outside of our little religious huddles and our little pet doctrines and tradition. Because when Jesus rebuked the religious leaders, he said, by your traditions, by your pet doctrines, by your rules and regulations, by the way you've always done things, you have made the word of God devoid of power. And so God is prophesying through all kinds of people and through all kinds of places. And if we have ears to hear, we're going to join in, and we are going to begin to build the greatest, most glorious movement that the planet has ever seen. It is the awakening, and it is revival. <clears throat> Before he gave me that word, I just heard him say two things to me. And he said, the integrity of the building, building is dependent upon the strength of its foundation. Integrity means the state of being whole and undivided. 
I didn't know that. I didn't really, I wouldn't have, that's not what I would have said. The definition of integrity is the state of being whole and undivided. So the integrity of the building is dependent upon the strength of its foundation. It made me think immediately of a verse in Hebrews that says, um, talking about Abraham, by faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him to the promise for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God you are that city you're the city you're the city on the hill you're the city that he's building it's people there's another scripture that I like a lot which I've now lost that was Hebrews 11 I think 10 and in first Corinthians Paul is talking and he says God gave the growth. Neither he he who plants nor he who waters is anything but God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it and it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. So what that scripture, when he started saying this to me, I didn't realize at all how well it relates, but when he, you, the Bible talks all the time about you are God's field. We are a, a field ready to be cultivated. There's a scripture in Hosea that says it's time to break up the fallowed ground, yes. and it is time to sow righteousness. Yes. And fallow ground, it's not bad. It's just laying dormant for a season. You let the field rest for a season, and when you do that, the next crop is more fruitful, it's more abundant. And so the Lord is saying it is time to take care of the issues of our heart, the strongholds in our mind, seed that we have left unattended. And we're going to talk about that a lot today, and we're going to talk about it in future weeks as well. Because if he is saying, I am doing this, this is me, I'm speaking, and you guys hear, you have ears to hear, I believe that some of the prophetic words that you all have gotten over your life, I believe with everything in me that this year you're going to be seeing some of them. Some of the big ones are going to be coming into manifestation because you're able to bear up under its weight, because you're able to bear up under that word, which we have to be able to carry it. And so for me, he started reminding me, you know, Kelly, this is who you are. I said that you're a voice crying out in the wilderness. And so a lot of you forerunners, it's time to rise up and say what God is saying. Not what he's not saying and not what he's not doing, but let's just say what he's saying. <clears throat> so um, this is what I'd like to do. If you were there Sunday night, I, I apologize that some of it might be review, but hey, we cannot have enough of you because it's, it's good when you hear it all. Um, how am I going to do this? The second thing he said to me, and I think he, he said something similar to Anne Marie the other night. He said, favor will open doors for you, but character will keep you in. What did he say to you the other night? Something similar. Do you remember? He said, yeah, you remember. He said, favor is not an indication of value. It's an indication of assignment. And then that in order, in order to 
cultivating the, cultivating our heart and cultivating the garden of our heart is important that we then have the character that we have the foundation to be to be yeah, able to fulfill the, the assignment yes yes and so this morning, it reminded me, that she told me that the other night, and this morning when I heard him say, favor will open doors for you, but character will keep you in. It's time for the body to be mature, to be healthy, to be strong. We can't afford to be comparing ourselves with other people and competing and be envious or jealous of something you perceive someone else has and you don't. It's time for the body to grow up into the head and, and be mature. And there's a lot of people with a lot of favor on their life, and I see them just go in and go out and woohoo, but they haven't taken the time to build depth of character and maturity. And guess what? They can't stay in that place. And it's actually really dangerous. It's actually really dangerous when someone promotes themselves based upon their own favor and their own gifting before it's time. Because what happens is you put yourself in that place and you're really not able to stand up under the weight of it. And the Lord, I said this on Sunday night, but years ago, 10 years ago, I was meditating on some of the words, big prophetic words that Joey and I had gotten over our life. And I was asking him for more clarity. And I was asking him, show me what that really looks like. And he immediately said to me, if I were to tell you right now all that's going to come, it would crush you. You're not able to bear up under the weight of it. And that is not a harsh thing. That is a true thing. The, God, the grace of God and the mercy of God, he doesn't put us in positions. We could put ourselves in positions, but God does not promote us and put us in a position until we are able to bear up under the weight of that word because he's good and his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so everything that I'm going to be talking today about, and when I'm talking about uprooting seed, I'm not talking about you working and striving and trying and doing. It is like Amory said earlier, this is freedom. This is being liberated. It's recognizing, yeah, you know what? I don't really want that anymore. And it is a completely relinquishing it up, surrendering, changing the way I think, and moving on. It's so easy. So I do feel like this semester, God wants us to begin to look at issues of our heart, um, character, depth of character, depth of maturity, because you all are super powerful women. And he is doing a really powerful work. In our city, for sure, where all of you all have influence, but I also believe you all have influence way beyond the city. And so for what God wants to do in you and through you, and me included, I want to look at stuff that, that's time for me just to go, you know what, that's stupid. Why? I don't even want to carry that around anymore. Yeah. You know? I want the fullness of everything that God has for me. <clears throat> I wrote this down last week. I was just meditating and free flow writing. I hope that didn't just turn off. If it did, that's okay. <clears throat> the beauty of unbecoming. The glorious process of shedding all of those layers of dead weight, superficial fluff, who I thought I was, should be, needed to be, tried to be, but never was. Never was supposed to be. It's the peeling back of the onion layer by layer, getting to the heart of who I am, who I know my true self to be, the free me. The freest, truest version of yourself is the only you you will ever be satisfied with, comfortable with in your own skin. The beauty of aging, of being 52 and not 32, is that I know by experience things I didn't know in my younger self, things I couldn't have known then, things that make for a much happier, contented, peaceful life. <coughs> the skin gets thicker, literally and metaphorically, <coughs> unfortunately. You just don't care as much what people think of you. The comparison game is exposed for the lying trap it is. Generosity of spirit blossoms as you realize there was never just one piece of the pie, 
there's always been enough damn pie, darn pie for whoever wants to partake of it. Women are allies, not competitors. We get each other. We have the same scars, same hurdles we've had to jump over, same challenges and obstacles to overcome, sometimes just to be seen, just to be heard. But show up. Just show up as you. Be you. Be who God created and intended you to be. Deal with the junk if it hasn't been dealt with. Pay attention to crap that begins to surface and threatens to stand in your way. Get the healing you need. Pay attention to pain. Pay attention to your emotions, but don't let them have the say. Don't let them be the guiding factor in your life. That's not what they're there for. Pain has its purpose. It's an indicator, but not a dictator. So pay attention. Process through it, but do go through. Don't get stuck. Don't get camp out there. Through the unbecoming, sometimes it's scary and sometimes feels outright rebellious, but unbecome on. Shed that stuff, let go, and awake. Realize that you, the real you, has been there all along. It's not some new manufactured version of you all cleaned up and shiny. It's the self that God thought of before the foundation of the world and purposed and planned to be on this planet at this moment in time with all of us. Amazing. So that's what I want. I want to be so free and be the truest version, the freest version of myself. And I want that for all of you. And I want all of it for all of us together because as women, sometimes in, in, out there and in the church, everywhere, sometimes women can be the hardest on each other and on ourselves. And I think God really wants to know, I believe that him highlighting this women's movement and, and liberating women, that also people are going to get to see women now as really loving each other well really standing side by side and arm in arm, not ever trashing each other and not comparing and competing, but actually seeing the value and the worth in each single woman and recognizing the beauty of what that is so that we can go and do and fulfill the calling on our lives. God has seeds of vision in you, seeds of destiny in you, purpose, ideas, ministries, businesses, things that you don't even know yet. They're in there, laying, ready to be awakened. And God wants to breathe on and speak on those things. And I really do believe he's going to be doing that this year. So I want to till up the unfallow ground, the fallow ground and cultivate my field. And that's what we're going to begin to do. So do you know who you are? Like, do you all know your true self? I know like we have versions. Like I know myself and my true self. And I talked about it on Sunday night. I'm not going to um, belabor it. But you are a new creation in Christ. That doesn't mean like you... You worked really hard by this point in your life to clean up your mouth and look good and be shiny and new and perfect. It doesn't mean that. It means brand new, never seen before, unprecedented, novel, uncommon you. When, you, when Christ died on the cross, was buried, you were buried with him and you rose again to resurrection life. So resurrection life lives in you. You have been glorified. We will be glorified one day, I know, but you have already been glorified. You bear the image of God. You're a glory bearer. And glory is weighty substance. And so that same spirit who hovered over the waters and created with God at the beginning of time, the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Like that is crazy powerful. Resurrection life, resurrection power is mine. So I cannot afford to be caught up in little petty stuff. Because we got work to do. The Holy Spirit wants to burst out in all ways and create through me. Create through you. Because that's who he is. And so, I don't want to talk about some of this stuff I talked about the other night. But this is what I want you to know. 
<clears throat> I do need to read this. First John 3, 9 says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed, and that word seed is sperma, abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. That is a powerful statement. Cannot means does not have the power or ability to. It's the same word we get for dunamis, which is mighty miracle working power, but it's the negative of it. So you, yourself, your recreated self, your true self, your spirit man, cannot make a practice of sinning. You do not have the power to do that. Now, we may drag around the dead man, you know, like I said, I mean, I spent years dragging around that dead man thinking, my gosh, would you let go of me already, you know, beating the tar out of the old man, not recognizing and having a revelation that my old man is dead. And I now get to awake to newness of life and live from that person. That's the real you. That's who you are. And so when it says seed and sperma, sperma, the definition of sperma is the seed which contains within itself the germ of future plants. Semen, offering, not offering, offspring. Whatever possesses vital life force or life-giving power. So that the sperma of God remains in you. The sperma of God abides in you. It is always there. You cannot separate from that, and he cannot separate from you. So co-crucified, co-buried, co-resurrected, that's your life. And so what I realized looking back on my life is I, I got saved, you know, I prayed the prayer when I was nine years old, and, and I grew up in a very, um, you know, religious environment. But I sincerely love God. I, I really love God. I learned at a very young age how to inductively study the word and look up the Greek and look up the Hebrew. And I journaled and I did Bible studies and I taught Sunday school. And I had a very, very sincere love for God. But I got to the end of myself. By the time I was 30, I was exhausted because I was like, surely there's got to be more. I mean, surely this should mean something, you know? And what I said to him when I started hearing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and reading about it, is I said, Lord, you said that you came to give us abundant life and victory and power, and I don't have it. Like, my life doesn't look any different. Now, I'm not saying that the seed that I sowed in my heart is not powerful, because it is. But what I'm saying is, the one thing that changed my life is when someone told me, God does still speak today. Because I've been taught, the tradition I grew up in, God does not speak anymore. He only speaks through the Bible. And he does speak through the Bible, but wow, when somebody told me God still speaks today, what happened is that seed that had been sowed in my heart, that had been laying there dormant, was waiting to respond to the voice of God. So when somebody told me God spoke, I started hearing him all the time. It was like you could not shut it off. I was journaling like crazy. I was hearing it. I was hearing it. It was like the rhema word, the freshly proceeding spoken word of God it came to life in me, and it opened up a deep well that just became this rushing river, and I could not get enough. Like, I was so hungry. I was so thirsty. I was so alive to God. It was like, I would tell people, it was like I really wasn't saved before because my life was so radically different. Does, do y'all know what I'm talking about? Have, have y'all experienced that? And the word that, yes, I had studied, and I knew the Greek, and I could tell you the Hebrew, but I realized it was all here. 
It was so head knowledge. All of a sudden, it was here, and it was just bursting with life, and revelation was just coming. It's because he's alive, and he's still speaking, and he wants us to know how to hear his voice. And when we do hear his voice, everything in us wakes up. And all these seeds that were in me were getting germinated. The sperma was germinating, all of that stuff, and little seedlings just began to pop up, and my life was getting completely wrecked and transformed. And that's what he's doing. So when God speaks, his sperma is divine DNA. It's implanted in our hearts, and it awakens all of the seed that I was talking about earlier, vision, destiny, all of that, because seed reproduces itself according to like kind. And you know in the Bible in Genesis, and it used to strike me as odd because he says it over and over, he would talk about, I'm going to do plants with seed in itself and trees with seed in itself and fruit with seed in itself. And you know, when the, the word, they're, they're there for a reason. And so when I pay attention to that, it's the reason is the seed in itself because the seed has the power and ability within it to reproduce itself according to like kind. So an apple seed produces apple trees. But what did God say about man? Let's make mankind in our image after our likeness or according to like kind. So we're made according to God kind because God put his seed, his sperma in us. And we are reproducing God-likeness, little God people, you know? So if we really got a revelation of that, that's crazy powerful, you know? So when Christians are walking around gossiping and slandering and bad-mouthing and saying horrible things from the pulpit and saying terrible things on TV that's so not God and doesn't represent him well, that is not reproducing like kind. And it's that stuff that the Lord's going to get to. And I believe he's going to do it in a really super graceful and merciful way, contrary to some of the stuff I've heard lately. I listened to an awful, you said to me, listened to an awful prophetic word by some guy the other day. It was 20 minutes long. It was like, why did I subject myself to that? It was just full of doom and gloom and what God was going to come and do. And I mean, I'm just so thankful that I know grace. You know, and I know that we're not supposed, we can't go around just living however we want, but God knows how to get each one of our hearts to turn. Amen. And he's just wooing us to himself. And he's wooing his beloved people out there that don't know him yet. He's wooing them to himself. And he's so good and merciful. So we have been recreated according to like kind. And when God put Adam in the garden and Eve, it said that when he created them, before he created them, there was not a man to work the garden. There was no one to tend the garden. So he put Adam and Eve in this beautiful garden he created that said to tend it and keep it. And guess what? That is still our job. We are tending and keeping the garden of our heart, the soil of our life. It is my job to tend my own garden. I cannot blame you for the way my garden looks. If I say, well, that is so offensive to me, that offended me. Guess what? That is not your issue. That is mine. Because I have the ability, I am powerful enough to not allow myself to be affected or offended by other people. So when we do that, when we can really look at life like that, and we're going to talk about offense a little bit more in a minute or later, if we have time. Um, When I live like that, recognizing that my state of being is not dependent upon other people, but I'm actually powerful enough to keep my own garden, to tend my own heart, and not allow you to sway me, man, that is such a way more powerful way to live. Talk about joyful. 
I'm not swayed by everything done to me every day because I am not a victim. And you are not a victim. A victim mentality, it causes us to go through life with this perspective where we see if I think I'm a victim, then I am being victimized every single day by everything negative that happens to me. But if I'm an overcomer and I'm like, that, that's not going to get me down. That, I'm not going to allow that to affect me. I'm overcoming. I am able to go through, and, and I'm getting ahead of myself because I want to go into that and I'm not going to yet. But I'm able to go through stuff and come out on the other side with great spoil, with fruit. And it's strengthening a depth of character in me. So, you know, I have a garden. I do not garden anymore because I've discovered I am not a very good gardener. I have huge garden plots on the side of my house. And when I first, I was so inspired and I bought tons of seed and I just like planted everything. Well, I didn't know things back then as a beginner gardener, like the condition of the soil. Actually I did, I did go buy good soil. You have to have good soil. You have to have like, there's different nutrients and all different pH balance and acidity and all of this in the soil. But I didn't realize, cause I tend to overdo everything. And so I didn't know I needed to leave lots of space between some of these plants. So I planted so much stuff you cannot imagine. Like, Joey took a picture of me in the middle of my garden, and it looked like a jungle. Like, you couldn't tell one plant from the other. Because guess what? If I didn't allow enough space, the plants began to choke the life out of each other. So there was all these things that had to take place. Spacing. There's a lot of prophetic, there's a lot of prophetic stuff in here. <laughs> space is good. Um, so they had to be space, there had to be sunlight, there had to be water, there's all kinds of things that had to happen for the plants that I wanted to grow to grow. And when I went out there and checked my plants every day, I wasn't freaked out, disappointed, and mad that I didn't have any strawberries yet because I didn't plant strawberries. I planted cantaloupe. And sometimes we're so mad and we're so upset about the things that aren't happening in our life and they're happening for other people, but I haven't planted that seed yet. And I'm looking at other people's fruit, and I'm loving that fruit, and I'm thinking, man, it makes me so mad I don't have that fruit. But I've never taken the time or the discipline or the history part with God to go into that place and plant strawberries. Yeah. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm not going to give up on my own life like I did in my garden. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to keep tending my own garden. But gardening's hard. I am so speaking prophetically right now. Gardening is hard. It is. It does. It takes time, and it takes care, and it takes daily going out there. And you know the worst part of gardening, at least for me, some people love it, is weeding. Yeah. Weeding. Pulling those weeds. I would need to go out there every single morning and pull the weeds out. And I do that at first, and it looks great. And come July 20th, when it is hot as blazes out there, my garden is just overtaken with weeds. And when your garden gets overtaken with weeds, you know what it does? It chokes the life out of those good plants. And you're right, it sucks all of the, the good nutrients out of that soil so that it is not going to the plant you want. So if I want to have the sperma of God, the word of God, deeply planted in my heart, in James 1 it says, receive with meekness or receive with humility the implanted word which is able to save your souls. That's just, that is save, heal, forgive, deliver. The word implanted in your heart has the ability to do all of those things. But if I do not take the time 
to get a lot of the other seed that I have sown in my heart, like bitterness, unforgiveness, offense, judgment, gossip, hatred. If there's a lot of that stuff still, that seeds of that in my garden, it is going to choke the life out of the word. I looked up the word choke. Of course, I know what choke is. But choke means to, it literally means to strangle and suffocate the life out, life force out. And it, it means to also to drown. So we can't afford to do that. So I'm trying to see where, where he wants us to go. Um, One of the things that one of the things that I've learned in this past season of my life that if we will allow it, the heat can actually work for us. If I will allow it, if if if, if, if I make a decision today, if you make a decision today, Lord, I want everything out of this. I want all the spoil. I want everything that you have for me out of this season, out of this time, then the heat actually works in my favor. The heat drives me to a place in God where I say, okay, I told you I wanted all the spoils, so I'm digging in. I'm going to dig in. Show me the weeds. What is this? This thing that's rising up in me because of the heat? Because I don't know about you, but like when I'm outside in 103, I get irritated. <laughs> I get irritated. It's like I tell my kids, tease me because I'm like, I'm going to have a conniption. I'm so mad. I'm just going to have a conniption. And, but what, but when I stop in the heat and I go, ooh, what's that got? What's that thing rising up in me in the heat? When I'm getting pressed, when this is hard, what's coming up in me? I actually, yeah, if I'm at, when I'm comfortable or whatever, that thing's rising up in me, and it will actually work for me if I will let it. Yep. If I dig in and posture myself, and, and it's, it ends up being part of the prize, part of the spoil, everything. So those things that used to scare us, those things that would get in our way, those things that used to be hard to look at in me, offense, jealousy, you know, whatever, anger, that stuff, I'll go, ooh, what's that? And I let him show me it works for me. So I just want to encourage you in that, that, that that's what I was hearing when she was talking is very often, if I'll make that decision, I want it all. I want all the spoil. I want everything you have for me. Out of this difficulty, out of this season, just like, or just today, because she's saying it. Like, you're going, hey, I want all that. Well, decide today. Yeah. And then when it gets hot, when things get turned up, you, it makes you, it's a kind of exciting. It, like, it makes you press in in the heat. Yeah. Because you're like, okay, I'm going to let, I'm going to use this. I'm not wasting this pain. I'm not wasting this heat. I'm going to let it work for me. That's it. Okay, can I say because when it manifests, or at least that's what I found in my life, when when my ugly manifests, or my fears manifest, or my yeah. whatever manifests, that's when God yes. is saying, okay, yeah. do you see it? Yes. Do you yes. see it? Yeah. And there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to dig into it, or are you going to yeah. snuff it out to yeah. go to a movie, or go and do yeah. all these or things? Or try to protect that it, or deny you. it, or cover it. Yeah, yeah cover it. Keep it. Yeah, yeah. So good. I mean, that really spoke to me because it is. It's like we want to settle into comfort because that's easy. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, like, you, you said you want to get to this end result, but you think that the journey there is going to be a piece of cake. It's going to be all breezy and stuff. Yeah. And yes, God's peace and 
is going to be with you, but a lot of times it's going to be uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah. Uncomfortable has been our family prophetic word for the year. <laughs> there you go. You're having lots it's of fruit. Like, it's it's going to manifest abundantly. Do we realize how we've gotten comfortable? Even in our risk. Like, people are like, oh, you guys are risky. You moved to Washington, Texas. And that's risky, following the Lord, but yet it was comfortable. I know. We knew where we were going. We knew where we were. So there was a lot more comfort to it initially. And, and now it's so more uncomfortable. okay with the uncomfortable with the, the, the pressure yeah. Yeah. talking with a gal who's who's in a new relationship and she's like and I'm like yeah those pressure's good pressure's good yeah. some things don't come out until you experience yeah. the pressure the heat the uncomfortable and the biggest growth starts in my life and, and the biggest place I can see real growth and change has actually come from the very hardest Absolutely. most pressing yeah. most painful times and it's just the way it is. And I know that's not the best prophetic word. You will, will experience pain. <laughs> but I promise it will be good. I'm, I don't know how to leave this part out, so I'm just going to say it really quickly. We've talked about it in here before. But I just want to talk, because I'm talking about this seed. Obviously, right now, we're kind of starting to talk about, we're talking about some negative seed that will come up. But so that good seed, the seed of the word, what I want you to know, and when I, I said at the beginning, um, God has a lot to say. And he's saying things all the time. But sometimes we're not able to hear it or bear it. And he says to his disciples in John 16, he's talking to them about that it's better if I go away and I'm going to send Holy Spirit. And he's going to say, take everything from me and he's going to say it to you. And in verse 12, John 16, 12, he says, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. In other words, you don't have the weight bearing capacity to hear everything if I were to tell it to you right now. Because words carry weight and substance. All words carry weight and substance. It's why timing is so important in delivering a prophetic word. You can have the right word and give it to someone in the absolute wrong timing, and it actually then is a wrong word. Because they didn't have the weight to bear up under that thing that you just dropped on them. Now, not to say, God gives us some huge prophetic words that are for later. That's not what I'm talking about, that we know that that's for later. I've watched some people make, I don't know if this is a sidetrack, but I have watched some people in the state and be young and there God says that you're going to the nations and you're a prophet to the nations and your word is going to be you know like like John the Baptist or the next day they're printing business cards and they're emailing seriously like they're emailing all these people and churches and they're going out on their own dime and they're out there putting themselves out there to fulfill the word yes. instead of waiting on watching God develop in them the timing of when God is going to send them out to be a prophet to the nations, you know? It's really important. Um, so in John 16, if we were to keep reading, and he's talking about, you don't, you can't know everything right now, he's telling them, listen, this is what Holy Spirit's going to do when he comes. He is going to declare you the things to come, future things. That That's our inheritance. I need to read it. Turn to John 16. Because I think this is super cool. I don't know about y'all. Let's start in verse 13, John 16. Um, you can't bear them now. Verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He's talking about your inheritance there. 
the future things, this is your inheritance. When he says that he will take what is mine, Jesus' inheritance, and he's going to give it to you. And how is he going to give it to you? In word form. His inheritance is our inheritance. That's, it's our future. So what Jesus is saying is the Father, or Holy Spirit, he's going to take all of my stuff. He's going to take all my stuff, everything that I have from the Father, and he is going to put it in word form and declare it to you. Do you all see that? It's why prophetic words are so important and are so powerful, because all of our inheritance comes to our inner man, comes to my true self, my spirit man. All of our inheritance comes to us in the form of words that then manifest themselves into being fruit, actual manifestation of that thing. And so am I able to bear them now? Am I able, do I have ears to hear? Or it, and there are some things, I'm sure he's still saying, Kelly, you're not ready for that yet. And that's fine. I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> I'm not ready for that yet. So the other thing that I want you to know is um, the seed form of that word to you, it is doing something in you. It's underground. It's germinating under there. Like, it's there. It's waiting to respond. We may not see it yet, but that little seedling's going to pop out, and then a bigger plant with fruit. So all of that stuff is inside of us, and it's waiting to be awakened and respond and come into manifestation. Um, in John 6, and starting in verse 60, turn to John 6. I'm just going through some stuff with y'all. I don't really know where we're going to end or stop or whatever, but we'll continue a couple weeks later. John 6, verse 60. He's been, Jesus has been talking to the disciples about, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in me. Well, all these, I don't know, hundreds, thousands, I don't know how many people follow him. All of the disciples that are listening to that were like, wait, what? Drink your blood and eat John 6. I'm not in 60 now. Above 60, he's talking about eat flesh, drink blood. And so in verse 60, it says, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. We're going to talk about offense in a second, but he's saying... Yes, this is a hard saying, but are you going to allow that to be a stumbling block for you? That word offense means it's scandalizo, and it's from the word scandalon. Scandalizo is to put a stumbling block or a trap in someone's way. Scandalon is the name for the part of the trap where the bait is attached. It's a snare. It's a trap. So he's saying... In me saying this, are you going to allow this to be the very thing that snares you and traps you and keeps you from continuing on with me? That's what offense does. Offense traps you. It ensnares you and it keeps you locked down to not be able to experience the freedom that he has for you. The same word that Jesus used in Matthew 16. Remember Peter has had the great revelation. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And he got kudos. It was awesome. And the very next breath, when Jesus starts to tell him, yeah, I'm about to go to the cross. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. 
Get behind me, Satan, for you, my, my Bible says, for you are a stumbling block or a hindrance to me. You have your mind on the things of man and not on the things of God. But in the King James Version, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, because you are an offense to me. Jesus recognized in the words that Peter was saying in that moment that that was a trap to ensnare him in. And that that is an offense. And he immediately recognized it. It's why we have to have discernment. We're learning to hear God's voice. And when I know God's voice so well, I will recognize the counterfeit. I will recognize the trap, the bait. And I won't fall for it. So he recognized, no, no, I'm not going to be baited by that. I can't afford to be ensnared by those words because I know why I came and I came to die. I came to go to the cross. Years ago, and I said this Sunday night, the Lord gave me a word for a friend of mine, and it was a pretty strong word. It felt like a hard word. Not a bad word, like, you know, we don't give bad words, but it just felt like a, a strong word. And I said, oh, Lord, I cannot give him that. I can't give him that. It'll offend him. He'll be offended. And immediately I heard the Lord say, my words were intended to offend his flesh, but if he will receive it, it will be food for his spirit. And that's the thing is sometimes our sensibilities and our flesh can get offended. And we can feel super justified in our offense, but if I do that, it will be a snare and a trap and prevent me from going deeper, like Amory was saying. Why does this offend me? What's going on in my heart that I'm feeling pricked by this? And instead of blaming the other person, I get to go, wow, what is this really about, God? What's really going in my, on in my heart, God, so that I can deal with that thing and uproot that seed? Do you see that? That's what offense does, and that's what offense is. So if I will do that, but I will be listening from the, for the pure word of God, he goes on to say, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So Jesus' words, he's just told them, I'm going to take everything that's mine, and Holy Spirit's going to put it in word form, and he's going to give it to you. And now he's giving us another clue. He says, my words become spirit and life. So we are spirit beings and spirit calls to spirit and deep calls to deep. So we take in his words in spirit form and life form. So that when the word of God speaks, everything in me responds to it and recognizes it. Because I was built to resonate with the word of God. I was built to recognize the word of God. After, if we kept reading, I think it's in verse, I don't know where it is. I said verse 86, but I don't think it was in verse 86. 68, maybe? Yep. Um, if you kept reading verse 66, it says, After this, many of his disciples turned back, and they no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter wasn't saying... There's salvation. He wasn't saying you have the words of, of salvation life. Peter was saying, when you speak, I find out who I am. He was saying, I don't know, like, I don't really know about all that stuff about drinking your blood and, and eating your flesh. But when you talk, I find out why I'm alive. Like, I don't know what's going on inside of me, but everything is responding. Everything is vibrant. And I, I would say that often. Like, sometimes I would be listening to a speaker um, it happened a lot in the early days, years ago, when I first started hearing Bill Johnson. My mind would be, I'd be like trying to write and get everything he was saying, but my spirit was vibrating. 
I could literally feel my spirit vibrating and pinging and agreeing with everything he was saying. And that's what happens. Our spirit is a, a pitchfork, not a pitchfork, tuning fork. <laughs> I'm sorry, a tuning fork. Our spirit is a tuning fork and it is set to the frequency of God and God's voice. And so when he is speaking and I am recognizing that is the pure, unadulterated, authoritative word of God, everything in me begins to just vibrate and ping on the same frequency and the same tune. So sometimes when we don't understand with our mind, dial down and get in tune with your spirit and ask God, because that's where I want to hear from. So the next thing I want to say, and then we're going to get into some fruit talk. Um, the word is weighty. It's substantive. And remember I said it has within itself the power to do what it said, right? Sperma. That's what, it's, that's what it is. That's the seed of the word is. So then Peter, again, remember when Peter got out of the boat and um, they were in the boat and Jesus was walking on water. He was going to pass them by and they freaked out and they thought Jesus was a ghost. And they, oh my gosh. And then Peter said, he said, don't be afraid. It's I. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. And Jesus said, come. And so in that moment, Peter was walking on water, but what Peter was really walking on was the substance and weight of the word come. The seed, the sperma of the word come had within itself the ability to come. Do y'all see that? So when God says something to you, I love this. When God says something to me that feels hard or feels scary, and he says, Kelly, I want you to go out and do this thing or say this to this person. Within the command to me to do that contains all of the ability and the power that I need to do it. Like that is liberating, isn't it? So when I learn just to trust that and yield to that and recognize that the very power itself is contained in that little word, and when I will obey and step into it, life. It's so amazing. So, <clears throat> but then we saw what happened. Peter saw the wind and the waves and doubt came in and he began to sink. And Jesus says, oh, you a little faith. So this is the thing. The wind and the waves, it's opposition to the word. And the word has to, for the word to come into fulfillment in your life, the word has to be protected because opposition will come. And let's, let's turn to the parable of the sower really quickly. Yeah, let's turn to the parable of the sower. And let's look at it in Mark 4. I know it's in, I think it's in every gospel. Mark 4. The parable of the sower, and Jesus, um, you know, says in verse 4, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds devoured it and other seed fell in the rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately sprang up and it had no depth and when the sun rose it scorched and it, because it had no root it withered away other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked grew up and choked it and yielded no grain other seed fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing yielding 30 fold 60 fold 100 fold and he said he who has ears to hear let him hear 
So he goes on to explain the parables of the disciples, and he tells them, if you don't understand this one, you're not going to understand any of them. Because he who has an ear to hear will hear. The hungry, the thirsty, the seeking, he hides truth so that it can be re revealed. That's what revelation is. That's why I love revelation. It's something that was previously hidden from me, all of a sudden came into manifestation, and it's so exciting to me. You know? Like, oh my gosh, did you see this? Did you know this is in the Word? So when he's talking to them about the soil, he says... Do you not understand this parable? The sower went out to sow the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And these are the ones on rocky ground. The one who, when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy, but they have no root in themselves. They endure for a while, but when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So the persecution came because of the word, on account of the word. The word has to be opposed to determine the strength of the word. So when persecution and tribulation comes, and this is what reminds me of, and I'm sorry but if this is offensive to people, but it's like, you know, professional conference goers, and I said this Sunday night, you know the people, it's like they've just run from one conference to the next and one prayer line to the next. And God love them because me too, believe me, I've been a professional conference goer in my life. And I still love conferences and I go to conferences. But when we are just running from conference to conference to have my ears tickled and wave my flag and get that word for a little bit, but I never take the time to develop the character and the integrity of my own heart and dig into this thing for my own, guess what? I will endure for a little while, but when persecution and tribulation come, I fall away. And we see that a lot. That's why I'm telling y'all, it is so time for all of us to grow up and be mature and get our deep, deep roots dug in and our history with God. Because when everything in life is thrown at you, it is my deep history with God that sustains me. Like when we have been through seriously hard times. And everything around us is shaking. And everything, it's just like we don't seem to get a break. And everything is coming. The reason that I am not getting offended and getting despondent and just hiding just to back off and, and walk away is because I've got a deep history with God. And he has revealed himself to be so faithful. When things are going crazy, I know to go, okay, God, I don't understand what's going on right now. But I know that you're good and you love me. And so... What side of your character and your nature are you showing to me in this season that I've never known before? Yes. I'm getting to learn other aspects and sides of God and his character and his nature. And the one thing that I, my biggest thing, if you ask me the number one thing that I've learned, the character of God is his faithfulness. He is always faithful. The word says he cannot not be faithful because he cannot deny himself. He is so faithful. So in that time, we get to like discover who he is. Habakkuk said it this way in Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. I love it. He says, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of olive fail, and the fields yield no food. Though the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no food in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my street. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. The reason Habakkuk can say that is he knew. He stood. And in that time, God was making his feet like hind's feet so he could tread on the high places. 
But if you can only praise God in the high places when life is great, then your faith and your strength is small. Proverbs, I don't remember where it is, it says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. I hope that people can say about me, at least by the end of my life, is even though when all hell broke loose and everything was going on, Kelly remained tender towards God. <laughs> I kept my heart tender and pliable and not offended with God. And I allowed my affections in my heart to be stirred because in the season and in the pit where I've learned, I don't think I've really learned on the mountaintop. I've learned in the valley. Yeah. And in the valley, when I learned to stir my affection for God, and when things don't seem to be happening, I make them happen. You know what I mean? Like, I can make something happen. I remind myself of who God is and what he said, and I stir up my own affections. I come out on the other side. I tread on my high places then because I learned it down there. So, when the opposition to the word comes, which it will come, we stand in that face of opposition and we hold the course. We hold course. And remember we talked about it so many times in here, but the children of Israel, remember when they had a word from God, when God said, go, Moses, get some men together and send out spies to go into the land that I am giving you. So that was a word, right? And in that word was the power and the ability for them to actually have and apprehend what God said. So they go into the land, and it is exactly like God said. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's fortified cities and houses and stuff they didn't even have to build. And yes, there are people in the land, but what did the bad, this, the bad report came back as, but there are giants in the land, and they're going to kill us. We look like grasshoppers to them. We are grasshoppers, right? And Joshua and Caleb were like, no, 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 no. The Lord said, and if he, he will deliver us into this land, and these giants and these people, when the Lord takes us in, he says they will be bread for us. The very thing that the other spies thought was going to kill them all, so they gave the bad report, the very thing that they said was going to kill them, Joshua and Caleb are going, no, no, no. That very thing that you think is going to kill us is our bread. It's our provision. It's our sustenance. So if I hold the course and I go in anyway, and I do not allow myself to get freaked out by the giants in my land, but understand that God has put them there for my good, because he turns everything around for my good. And if I hold the course, that I come out on the other side with spoil, fat spoil, abundant fruit. It is amazing. So the strength of the word cannot be trusted until it's opposed. And if I listen to the voice of the enemy who has no authority, I empower him to have the authority in that moment over what God has said. God has the authority. And when he speaks, I'm empowered to do what he said. But in that moment, if I choose to listen to the enemy, I have just empowered him instead of God. There are always two trees in the garden. We always have a choice. So, going back to the parable in Mark 4, he goes on to talk about the conditions of the soil, and he just told them the professional conference goers endure for a while, and the tribulation is pretty much so right. Y'all understand what I'm saying? I'm just being, making fun of myself. Not y'all. Y'all are not professional conference goers. <clears throat> okay. Um, verse 18, and then the others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So thorns, what are thorns? 
thorns are other seeds that we have let fall to the ground that have grown up as weeds, as thorns. It's seeds that we don't necessarily want, but we've just left, left them unattended. Like we haven't taken the care and the time to weed them out. And so cares of the world, the very word is, it's anxiety. Cares of the world, one of them is anxiety. And anxiety is a thorn that will choke the life out of the power of the word, of God's seed that's implanted in you. And I have to see that thing as my enemy that wants to rob me of my future. I like how Abby says, um, Abby Stonevall, at a little thing we were at, she was talking about emotions, and I thought this was a great way to say it. When she was talking about emotions, she said, you know, emotions are like kids. You can't give them the keys to the car and let them drive it around, but you also can't throw them in the trunk and ignore them. So emotions are not meant to dictate the course of my life and drive me, but neither can I ignore my emotions and do nothing about them. Emotions are a great indicator, but they're not a dictator. They're telling me something's going on and I need to pay attention to them and tend my garden, tend my soil. I went through a season that was so, I mean, it, it's not great now, but I mean, it was so painful in the beginning. I went through this about, I don't know, seven years ago. It was so, so painful and devastating to my family. Everything just got turned upside down that I had never known really what the depth of anxiety feels like. Like that, you know, when you do that nervous breathing, like, like you're constantly, you don't know you are, but when you stop, you're like, oh my gosh, my chest is heaving. I would be walking through the grocery store and just notice I'm doing nervous breathing all the time. <clears throat> and that thing, that's a great, now that's a very obvious one. I know this is anxiety. This is not God, you know, but I can't, I can't give way to that thing. I've got to recognize it and go, okay, Lord, what's, how can we deal with this? I know that you need to get to this place in me, the root of this thing and deal with it so that now I can allow it to have its proper place, which is outside of me. Um, I wanted to talk about, um, shoot, I had something else to say about that. I don't know where it is, so we won't say it. Um, let's go on. The other one, other care is stress. And stress is like anxiety. You can feel it in your body. You see it manifest. And it's not supposed to drive us and dictate us in fear. And the thing with fear is fear will, like offense does, trap you and keep you from doing the bold and courageous, adventuresome things that God wants you to do, that he has for you to do. So like, and I saw Chris Valentin wrote something about it last week, I saw. I didn't read the whole blog, I just saw that he was going to write about it. But the question of, if you could do, if there is no fear, and if you could do whatever you want, whatever you just really want to do that's in your heart to do, would you be doing something different than you're doing? Yeah, and if the answer is yes, fear just might be holding me back. So what if there was no fear? What if fear is just out of the question? What bold, radical thing would I be doing today that I'm not doing? And if so, I need to take a look at that and go, wow, fear is choking the life out of that seed in me and deal with fear. The deceitfulness of riches, deceitfulness means to give a false impression. Isn't that interesting? Deceitfulness of riches and desire for other things, like someone else's house. That's a mirage. That somebody else's husband is better than yours is a false impression. The fact that I think, well, I, if I just had that, I'd be happier, or she's so lucky because she has a great husband and a beautiful house, and she has this, and, and she has that. All of that is a mirage. 
you aren't going to be happier if you have that thing. It's just a house. I've done that. I've moved into a house, been so excited about a house. I love the house. It's my favorite house. It's, oh my gosh, it's going to be so amazing to live in a house. And I get in there, and I'm not kidding you, by the next day, I'm like, it's just a house. <laughs> it is just a house, you know? So the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, all those things are going to choke the life out of the seed in you from growing up into cantaloupe and broccoli instead of weeds. <laughs> That word, I told you, suffocate, chokes the life out. So those things that he's talking about right there, the deceitfulness, riches, and all of that, he's talking about that there are other seeds that have stayed in the ground that if I have allowed to grow up instead of attending to, and it's time for us to be able to attend to those things and deal with them. If I'm meditating in my heart on problems that a divine solution does not come with, it's one thing if you're thinking about a problem and you're seeking wisdom and a divine solution comes. That's not meditating on a problem. But meditating meaning muttering, chewing on over and over and over negative things and bad issues, that is just causing more stress, more anxiety, more fear. Worrying is actually fellowshipping with the enemy. Which when I remember that, I'm like, oh, I want no fellowship with you. So we have to learn to maintain peace and <clears throat> I have to repent. And Bill Johnson says that repentance needs to be as deep as the root. So if I've left some of that stuff and actually operated in some of that stuff for a long, long time, I have some deep roots. And again, I'm not talking about working. I am not talking about digging and getting dirty and sweaty. It's going to be so hard to dig that root up. I am just talking about agreeing with God and calling it what it is. You know what, God? I see that I have allowed anxiety to be so evident and manifest in my life now for so long. And you know what? I repent. That is not a part of me. And so I just turn around and I just partner with you now to change the way I think. And I'm going to dig a new rut, a new neuropathway in my brain that I'm not going to respond to anxiety. I'm going to respond to faith. I'm going to respond to truth. And then believe what God says about that situation and pull that out. And so the real problem in being people of faith, it's not that we don't or have an inability to hear God's voice. We have an ability to hear God's voice, right? It's not that we have an inability to hear God's voice. The problem is our willingness to listen to many voices. It's Peter, when he sank, listened to the voice of fear when he saw the wind and rain. He listened to the voice of doubt. Eve's problem in the garden was not that she didn't hear God's voice, because Eve did hear God's voice. It's just that she entertained another voice. <clears throat> and I want to address this right here, because we're all women. But when God chastised Adam for listening to the voice of your wife, remember he said that? Because you listen to the voice of your wife, you know, cursed is this. It's not that Adam listened to her voice and he shouldn't have. Eve, if you remember, she was called a helper, Ezer, Azer. I've been saying it wrong. I always say Azer, Ezer, it's Azer. Eve is an Azer. And Azer Konegdo means strong helper. It's the same word that mostly throughout the, the New, um, Old Testament is used for God as a warrior. So Eve was created to be an intimate ally, a strong warrior, a counterpart, complementary to her husband, co-laboring. So Eve's job was actually to give counsel, to give wisdom, to give advice to Adam, as he would to her. 
Who got the command in the garden? Adam got the command in the garden. Eve, it's not that she had not been listening to God's voice too. It's that when she entertained that other voice and then told, turned and spoke and gave it to Adam, Adam listened to her voice over God's voice. And Adam got the original command. So commentators and theologians and people that use that verse to say women shouldn't counsel their husbands, that is just wrong. Mm -hmm. It's not true. Eve would have been going against the very nature that God created her and person that God created her to be if she were not to counsel Adam. Possibly did Eve, acting outside of herself and her own godlike nature, think that, hey, maybe this is going to be good for us. Here, Adam, and what Adam should have said, no, this is what God said, remember? Oh, yeah, that's what God said. That's just my little counterpoint. This really has nothing to do with the lesson, but it's, I think I'm going to go back into the women thing again, like in more depth, because I just keep hearing it. You know, people will say, yeah, but what about this verse? Or yeah, but what about that verse? And I would like to start just like guacamole, like knock all those things down. <clears throat> so it's just that she entertained that voice over God's and said it, Adam. And there's life in the seed, and the word reproduces itself. So God, he's just looking for an atmosphere where he can just deposit his seed of word over word over word. It's like when I heard that God spoke, that seed of the word that had laid dormant in me for a while, it was just made to respond, that everything in me came alive. God is looking for an atmosphere where we're just like, yes, God, sign me up. Let it be unto me according to your word. You know, like Mary, yes, whatever you say, let it be according to me as it is in your word. And right after that, the angel said, no thing, nothing is impossible with God. And that means no rhema word, no freshly spoken word from God shall be without fulfillment. So when we say, let it be according, yes, Lord, I'm just saying, yes, Lord. And it's like psh, power is available because there's power in the seed. So in this season, I just believe if we will begin to attend to those things, if I keep my heart soft, if I'm tending up the ground in my heart and recognize immediately, and this is maybe what we do is we ask the Lord to have, have us make tight accounts. And quickly when I recognize that I'm pricked, like my flesh is riled up, you know, like I'm like pricked by something, quickly going to God going, okay, what is that about? That little thing that my husband just said to me or my friend said to me shouldn't have elicited that response. So I just believe that you're allowing me to see something that I have not been able to see that I've sowed in my heart or that I've allowed remaining in my heart and deal with that. And again, just agree with God. So yeah. And then the other seeds that we see that they're beginning to grow up and manifest. It's like even Mallory having the revelation when she heard God speak through that. Who said it in the movie? I don't remember. Who said that? The progress. What's his name? E.T. Barney. When, when, when Mallory heard that, it's like that for her was a revelation that was a seed going, hello, <laughs> you know, life. And so it is declaring those things. Yes, that is God's voice speaking to me, and I agree with that. And I begin to say it and declare it and meditate on that. And when that's what I'm doing, that's what's growing up. And the other seeds that I do not want, it's choking the life out of them. That thing, that stuff cannot stay around. When some person full of faith begins just to say what God is saying over and over and everything and he's responding to it, I mean, I just have to believe that the enemy is just running in terror, you know? Like, ugh. So we have to look at every attempt that to discourage us, every bit of opposi opposition. I'm just going to be looking at it as vindication. 
And I love it when Graham Cook, I think I've said it in here, I've heard him tell the story about being on an airplane and he sat next to a witch. And the entire time, the witch started telling him, oh, wait, you're Graham Cook? Yes. Well, we, every day we pray curses on you. And every day he's like, really? Well, let me, tell me, what are they? What do y'all pray? And she just starts telling him one curse after another that they pray over him. And he looked at her after a while and he goes, is that all you got? She's like, well, no. I mean, so she tells him all these others. And he was like, good, because he goes, you know what? Every single thing. And he goes, I'm just laughing. She was getting so mad because I'm just laughing at her. Like, oh, that's awesome. He said, because that for me is vindication. Every single curse, everything that they think they're going to throw at me, my God is going to take and cause that thing to be a blessing on me. So I'm like, that's awesome. You're saying that's what's going to happen to my family? No, this is what's going to happen to my family. I mean, I love that. So if we would begin to look at that stuff, at opposition is my vindication and my ability to take spoil, everything is going to change. And we get to be carriers of the word. And I get to allow God to tell me who I am. And in that, I'm discovering the real me, my true self. As some of that stuff begins to chip off of me, and years ago, and I did learn this years ago, not to be offended, just to, to be able to live a life that is unoffendable. And I know that sounds really crazy and hard for some people, but really you can live a life that's just you're not offended. And you let things just brush off of you, and you don't let things rock you the way that they used to. When you start to walk in that and things start, you know, the weeds start coming, it's like you really understand to discover who you are. And we all are so different. And Anne-Marie said at the beginning, and I said it on Sunday night, we need you to be you. How boring if we all just copied each other and dressed alike and talked alike and we're so crazy different and we're all weird and unique and and that's the way God planned it and especially in here I just feel like when we begin to really see each other and I ask God like really show me who's Stephanie like really see her for who she is and have God's eyes and then value her not for what she can do for me but but for who she is as a unique individual in God and if all of us are doing that the power, the unity that's going to happen. Talk about revival. Talk about awakening is when people really do just start speaking only just blessing and truth and love and unity and allowing us just to all be who we are. No judgment, no pretense, and just be weird. On Sunday night, like, I'm a spaz. I tell you that all the time. I'm less of a spaz.